are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Uh, I am pleased and honored to introduce our speaker today. Brother Zach Glasgow is no stranger to you all. You've seen him here at our church for many years now, and we're so thankful to have him speak to us today. Zach is, uh, is a, going into his final year of Purpose Institute. He is uh, aspiring to be a minister, and he is already involved, heavily involved in ministry. And I am so thankful for what he does for our youth every single week, because he's on the youth team. And so he, most of all, besides being a great guy, he is an incredible Christian. I speak so highly of him because he lives it out on a daily basis, and I am so thankful that he gets to speak to us today. So I want you all to welcome him and and honor him and be in his amen corner today and support him. So we welcome Zach Glasgow. Why don't we just go ahead and give God that praise? Hallelujah, Lord. We magnify your name, Jesus. We glorify you, God, because you are worthy of all praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, what an honor it is to be in the presence of the Lord. What an honor it is to be here with you guys. and What an honor it is to be a part of such a wonderful church. We're just going to take a moment. You guys can be seated. I'm going to take a few moments and give honor where honor is due. First and foremost, I would like to thank our pastors, Tom and Chris and Ellis. They are wonderful leaders, and they are wonderful people. They are an amazing, dynamic duo, and they, we, are, we are blessed to have them with us, and their leadership is just something I've never seen before. They're such wonderful leaders, and I'm thankful, and we're thankful for the Calvary Church for their leadership. Amen. The second person I'd like to give honor to is Brother and Sister Pasley. They are absolutely amazing. You know, I really, I didn't have the only new pastor for really about six years, but over that time frame, we've grown a great bond, and we were good friends. And even times when he would tell me that I have a mop on my head, and I remember vivid times like that. Or at the time, I wrote my Purpose Institute paper in a matter of like 45 minutes, and he looked at me and said, I wrote like a first grader. But if anybody in the world could tell me that, it is Pastor (laughs) Pasley. And I give honor to Sister Pasley. You are wonderful, and you are amazing in all that you do. And we we thank you, and we give you you honor. Next person I'd like to give honor to is uh, Sister Reed. Everybody knows Sister Reed is amazing, amen? I am, Sister Reed is literally the greatest Purpose Institute teacher ever, all right? And I hope she hears me say this next time she's grading my final. She can just take this into consideration. I would like to give honor to the Henson family. They are amazing and literally all that they do. There's one thing, if there's one word to sum up the Henson family, that's just, that is just the that is just their whole life summed up in one word. It is servant. And I give them honor in everything they do in my life. And lastly, I want to give honor to uh, Amber and Anthony Sizemore. They are literally the greatest youth pastors in the entire world. And I'm sure the youth can amen that. They are wonderful people. And, uh, 
What's unique about the Sizemores is that, especially Anthony in my life, is that he's more than just a spiritual leader. Anthony Sizemore invests more in me besides of the spiritual life. If I remember countless car rides with Anthony where he would just pour in God's word in my heart. And I just, I'm thankful for that today. And, but, but what is even more unique about him is Anthony Sizemore is the, the same guy who's my spiritual leader, is the same guy who shot me, taught me how to do a budget who showed the youth how to change a tire. He invests more than just in your spiritual walk with God, and we give him honor for that. And if you guys would like to stand, I'm going to go into the reading of the word of the Lord. And we're going to turn our attentions to Galatians 6, chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. The Bible says, Let him that is taught in, in the word Communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. But not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh, of the flesh, reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And verse 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I'm going to say that again. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we not faint. And with the help of the Lord, the title of my message today is going to be if we not faint. Amen. Lord, we honor you today, God. We thank you for this day that we can come into this house today and worship your great name, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would anoint my lips, God, that you would be the one to pour out your word out of my heart today in Jesus' name. I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would open up my ears to hear your word. You would open up my mind to understand your word. And that we would open up our hearts to receive it in Jesus' name. And we do all these things for your precious name, Lord, because you are wonderful in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a kid, me and my brothers loved to fish. I remember vivid times as a kid fishing with our dad at different fishing spots across Cincinnati. The first time I ever fished, I remember, as a kid was actually with my mom. At least that I remember. I could have fished before that, but that I remember. And my, my mom had a work party. My mom's a medical assistant, and she had a work party somewhere at some person's house and I remember as a kid we went there and like as a kid this house was literally seemed so enormous to me and it was it was the coolest thing in the world but but I remember like the, that day like was my first time I ever rode in a go-kart like this dude was flying and I was just bumping up and down like my five-year-old self just like literally about to die but but that was fine it was fantastic but I, that was actually the first day I had the opportunity to fish actually also and I had never fished before, so I didn't have a pole and I didn't have anything, the necessities that I need to go fishing. So I would watch as other people would fish, and my brother somehow got a hold of a couple people's fishing pole and were using that. But I was just hanging out, right? And uh, and so I there was this girl there, and she was a young girl, and she was really nice, but she would get impatient, and she would just throw out her reel, and she'd reel in real quick, and then just sit it down and run and do whatever girls do. We don't really know. 
But, uh, but because she kept leaving so often, I decided that I would ask that girl if I could borrow her fishing pole. And she kindly said, yeah, and it was, and it was awesome. But there was a catch to it. Her fishing pole was short. It was pink, and it had Barbies all over it. But look, y'all, I was so determined to catch my first fish. And, and I took that pink with Barbie fishing pole, and I launched it into that little pond. And within the first, like, two minutes, y'all, I had caught my first fish, and I was so excited. Like, to me at that moment, it was like, the, it was like a whale. Like, this thing was ginormous, but literally it was a bluegill to this day, because I remember now. But look, I was just so happy. It actually reminds me of the time I got the Holy Ghost. It kind of intertwines there, but, it, but it, was, it was awesome. That day, I actually caught 14 fish in total, and I was slaying, y'all. I wasn't playing around, and it was, it was exciting. Like, like, my brother's like, man, that's beginner's luck, and I'm like, bro, get out of my face. You don't know nothing about no beginner's luck. Like, I, I do this, dude, and uh, it was and it was awesome. But as time went on, I would continue to fish with my family and with my dad and my brothers. I remember catching a couple fish in Ohio River, but I was on, it was in Indiana, but I was in Ohio River, and I caught some great fish, and it was, and it was fun. But um, there was a season where I hit a point in my life to where, like, no matter how much I fished, I couldn't catch a thing. Like, y'all, I am literally on, an, like, an eight-year period span of not catching a single fish. Like, I have been putting in hours of work on this, and I can't catch a fish, and I, it is frustrating. I'm extremely stressed out about it. I, literally, I have been fishing with Anthony Henson. If you cannot catch a fish with Anthony Henson, you have a problem. Literally, he, this dude can catch a hand with you without any bait, without a hook. He just catches a fish. And I'm over here, and I go with him one time, and he never invited me back again. There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> But I'm believing that one day, by the, in due season, God is going to allow me to catch that first fish. And I'm excited, and I'm waiting for it, and I'm going to keep trying, and I'm going to keep pushing, and I'm going to catch that great whale. In Galatians 6, the Bible is clearly telling us that in any season of sowing, there will be reaping involved. If you plant a garden in your backyard, you expect that in due season, you will reap fresh vegetables. If you plant a tree in your yard, eventually over time, possibly a very long time, you're going to grow a great tree. And after a while, you can little hook up a swing set and your grandchildren can swing back and forth, right? If you practice a sport and you train for it, over time, you will become better. You're not born with the ability to ride a bike. You have to be trained. You have to be taught. Riding a bike without training wheels is very difficult the first time that you do it. It takes blood, it takes sweat, and it takes tears, right? But the moment that you ride that bike, the moment you ride that bike, the pure excitement that you didn't fall and land on your head is absolutely amazing, right? And then if we look at manners, you're not born with manners. It's trained in you. Your parents takes years developing manners in, in their kids' lives. So that one day, we hope they will not burp at the dinner table. And they say they're pleased and thank you. And that can be vice versa. I'm sure these, your parents be 
be nasty sometimes at the dinner table and burping at everything, but, but I won't go there. These are all examples of sowing and reaping in our everyday lives. Now, let's look and see where this takes place in the Bible. David in the Bible was the son of Jesse and was the youngest of his siblings. The Bible tells us that David was a shepherd boy. He worked and took care of the sheep day in and day out. David's journey was quite unique in the Bible. The Bible tells us that David, that God used David to feed a lion and a bear. He was also a great at playing the harp. He was so good that the Bible says that he played the harp in front of Saul and a spirit was departed from Saul. Yo, this dude got some talent. My goodness. David was a man of many talents in Scripture. In 1 Samuel 16, God anoints David to be a king. It says in verse 13 that Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed David, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But after even being anointed to be a king, David still went back to take care of the sheep. Later there came a great battle between the Philistines and Israel. The Bible says that the Philistines stood on one side of the mountain and Israel stood on the other. And in the middle was a great valley. In the midst of the Philistines came a great giant named Goliath. He stood very tall. He was extremely strong and he was covered in brass. Goliath challenged Israel to fight for 40 days straight. Remember that David was just in the field tending the sheep. So right now we have this big old giant hooligan that is like challenging Israel to fight. And David is back taking care of the sheep. And and everybody, every time he comes out, Israel gets scared because he's giant. And Jesse, David's father, one day told David to gather up some bread and take it to his brothers who were at the battle. And when David went out there with the, with the, with the bread to his brothers, the Bible says that Goliath came forth again. And when he came forth, he said his thing, come and fight me. And if, and, and they said, if you, if, if the Philistines win, then Israel has to serve us. But if Israel wins, the Philistines will serve them. So this was the first time David encountered this giant coming out to ask for a fight. And David was quick and he said, I'll take on the giant. And that, and, and his brothers were like, his brothers literally looked at David and was like, no, bro, you're, you're not. Why? They said, why are you here? Why are you even here? You're, you're a shepherd boy, David. Get back and tend the sheep. David They said, David, you cannot fight. You can't do it. David, only reason you came down here was to see a fight. That's what they said to David. And after his brothers rejected, David, in faith, went and he went over to the guy next to his brothers and said, look, I want to fight Goliath. I can do this. And they went around and they talked to everybody else. And they took David and they took him to Saul, the king Saul at the time. And when David said, look, Saul, I want to fight this guy. Like, I'm not, I I can beat him. The Bible says that 
that Saul looked at him and said, David, you cannot fight. You are just a youth, and Goliath has been a man of war since youth. And in 1 Samuel 17, you can put that on the screen, please. Verse 34 says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, and I, and I caught him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and grabbed him and killed him. Thy servant slew both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37 says, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of a lion and out of the paw of a bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with you. You got to understand something right here. David was saying, look, it is about as impossible that I beat a lion and that I beat a bear. But God has put these things in my life so that one day that God, when this great battle comes, God is going to use me for this moment. The fact that I beat a lion and I beat a bear was just about as impossible. And I know that it seems just as impossible to beat Goliath. But let me tell you something. God is on my side and he will deliver me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So now we're at the point where Saul says, David, suit up. You can fight. So David begins to get ready for battle. And in verse 40, it says, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had. Even in a scrip and his sling was in his hand and he drew near the Philistines. So now David is face to face with Goliath. The Bible says that Goliath is actually feels disrespected. He's like, who are you to send this boy to fight me? I am a warrior. And the Bible says that Goliath cursed David, right? Then he cursed him and his gods. In verse 45, it says, then said David to the Philistine, now comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Verse 46 says, this day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. And I will smit thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give thee the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47 says, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with a sword and spear for the battle is the Lord and he will give you into your, he will give you into our hands. David was declaring in scripture, look, come after me any way you please, but you're not fighting just me, Goliath. I'm going to kill you and I'm going to take your head and I'm going to do it to, sh and to show that God is with Israel. The battle is the Lord's. He will have victory. 
Verse 48 says, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Verse 49 says, and David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and he slang it and it smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon the face of the earth. So verse 50 says, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out and and took off his head and slew him and cut off his head there with and when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. The victory was Israel's. David beat Goliath. I'm here to tell somebody today, I don't know what giant is standing in your life, but God didn't put you there for no reason. God knows you're able to win the battle. God knows he has prepared you for this moment, but only by God you're able to win this battle. Trust in the Lord, for he is greater than the adversary. This wasn't just a this wasn't just a battle randomly through David's way. The lion wasn't a coincidence. The bear wasn't a coincidence. God was sowing into David's life for one day he would reap God's victory and God's glory. God showed in God showed in faith to overcome doubt. God showed in the ability to use a slingshot to gain victory. The things God is sowing in your life is merely preparing you for the reaping he has in your future. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I couldn't imagine how David was feeling as the fight was starting. David was carrying the weight of Israel on his shoulders. David knew everything he was. Goliath was better. Goliath was stronger. Goliath was mightier. Goliath was a better warrior. And that he himself didn't stand a chance against him. But David also knew, hallelujah, something that had been sown into his life. David knew God was stronger than Goliath. David knew God was mightier than Goliath. David knew God was a better warrior than Goliath. Everything David was, Goliath was better. But everything God was, God was greater than Goliath. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know what things are standing in your way, but God is able. God is mightier. God is stronger. God is able. God is able. David had gained victory. After a short time after, David went on to become a king over Israel. Little did David know that God was just simply sowing in servanthood for him to reap royalty. Oh, hallelujah. You see, this is a prime example of the things God is sowing into your life is merely to prepare for the reaping that will take place in your future. David sowing in faith, leadership, and servanthood, and God was preparing him to reap as a king. Let's go back to Galatians 6. The Bible is telling us that if we sow, we shall reap. And if we go to verse 9. Verse 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap 
if we faint not. Your sowing will never be easy. God's will is never easy. You have to keep pushing through because in due season, because in due season, God is going to allow you to reap something greater than even you could imagine. You've got to keep trusting, keep believing, keep sowing. God's got a plan in your life, and it doesn't come in your timing. It comes in God's timing. Oh, hallelujah. Don't give up. You don't want to lose your reaping. Keep pushing. God's got a blessing waiting for you. It's not easy serving God. It'll never be easy. But it's so much better serving God than the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. Another reason you shouldn't faint is because somebody else is counting on you. John 4, 36 through 38 says, And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Verse 37 says, And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. Verse 38 says, I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you are ent- and ye are entered into their labor, labors. The Bible tells us in John that in some cases we reap what others have sown and we rejoice together. We are the Calvary Church and we are reaping what others have sown. The men and women of God who were sowing in prayers of anointing, prayers of favor, prayers of blessing, prayers of godly leadership. We are reaping those prayers today. We're reaping the sacrifice of people like Huey Prophet, who is a pillar of this church. We are reaping the sacrifice of time, money, and prayers. We are reaping the sacrifice of the people who built this building. The church wasn't built by just a snap of your finger. It took people of God to go work nine hours a day. And as soon as they're done with work, put on the work clothes, some more work clothes, and they came to build God's house. Oh, how I thank God. Oh, how I thank God that Bishop Pasley never gave up when times got difficult. Oh, how I thank God my grandmother never gave up when things got difficult. Oh, how I thank God that even in the season where it seemed like there was no way, they found hope in the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I thank God in every season Bishop Pasley fought, in every decision, difficult decision he had made, and every time he wanted to give up because he knew ministry was never going to be easy. But he never gave up. And I'm reaping that today. I thank God for leaders in my life that never stopped. I thank God for leaders in my life that kept pushing because they knew a reaping was coming. We have to be aware and make sure we're sowing to the spirit and not the flesh. The flesh reaps corruption 
and the Spirit reaps everlasting life. And that's, we find that in Galatians 6 again. While David was a king, he saw a woman named Bathsheba bathing. And the Bible says he began to lust over her. Bathsheba happened to be married to a name, a man named Uriah. This started a season of sowing to the things of the flesh for David. First, David lusted over Bathsheba, which led to him committing adultery, which led to him murdering Uriah. David was sowing to the things of the flesh, and like the Bible says, he reaped corruption. What are you sowing in your life today? Are you sowing in the things of the Spirit so that you can reap life everlasting, or the things of the flesh so that you can reap corruption? Oh, hallelujah. You've got to understand something right now. That every place, every moment in your life, you're either sowing or reaping. When you're in your job and you meet the somebody, you're sowing something. Your encounters with everybody you encounter, you're sowing something. Everything you say is sowing something. Everything. So next time you go up to that friend that doesn't serve God and you crack an inappropriate joke, you've got to understand something. You've sown something that is not okay in their life. So now we at a point where we have to, we have to understand that, okay, everything I say, everything that I do, every, every act that I make is sowing something in somebody's life. So it's time to serve God outside of the church building. It's time to be serve God in your high school, young people. It's time to serve God in your workplace and in your family. Whatever you say will come forth as sowing. And you're going to reap. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Wow, that went a lot faster than I, <laughs> than I expected. <laughs> My God. <laughs> if you'll stand, the musicians will make their way forward. David sowed in the things of God to allow him to reap as a king. We are sowing in the things of God to allow us to reap in the kingdom. The greatest reaping man can receive in life is to sit in heaven with Jesus. To dance on streets of pure gold. No more pain. No more sorrow. To have everlasting life. In the presence and in the glory of God. That's the reaping I'm preparing myself for. I'm going to do whatever it takes in this life so that. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to do whatever it takes in this life. So on judgment day, the only thing I hear is well done. Thou good and faithful servant oh hallelujah
What are you sowing today that will lead you to the ultimate reaping God intends for your life? Don't faint. Your reaping is coming in due season. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.